Welcome everybody to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham DeWeese and with me once again are Matthew Page, Brian the Soul Man Solak, and special guest star and chief instigator from the Ingram <laughs> High School Rams, Rich Michelson. How are you guys doing today? What's up? How are you? Hey. That was quite the intro for Rich there. Oh, okay. Did oh, I know. I'm getting a really, big thing. Really hyping him. I mean, what happens when he lets us all down and he isn't as, as, as uh, entertaining as you make him out to be? Well, then everybody else can feel the exact same way that I've felt my entire life growing up with him. So He's uh, not going he's not, he's not to let us down because he's our, he's our soccer guru and he's entertaining to listen to. So That is, yeah. that is true. Thanks. So, man, in fact, let's talk a little bit about the MLS for this last Monday, we were not entertained. That's not the word. Uh, (laughs) Not excited. That's definitely not the word. We were apoplectic, perhaps shocked, perhaps. uh, Embarrassed? Embarrassed. Okay, thank you. (laughs) I was trying to stay away from that one. But a (laughs) 4-1 loss to that LAFC team was bad with a B to the A to the double D, what the heck happened, Rich Michelson? Um, okay, first of all, Chicken Little, the sky is not falling. It's falling. No, 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 no. So it already all, fell. It's, it's not in progress. <laughs> True. It fell. It's done. In spite of what Brian Schmetzer says, because, you know, he's a head coach and he does have to spin things from time to time, the Sounders were just there. Um, so they don't get fined. This tournament has the standing somewhere between the Arizona preseason tournament and the U.S. Open Cup. It's kind of like, it's a little bit less prestigious than like the Cascadia Cup between Portland, Vancouver, and Seattle. Um, So first of all, the sky is not falling. Second of all, yeah, they got run by LFC. LAFC. LAFC looked really, really good. Um, that happened for a couple of reasons. Number one, their star signing of the uh, offseason, Jao Paulo, who is outstanding, do-everything midfielder, missed the entire tournament, did not play a minute, is out with a quad injury. Um, and he, uh, if you can remember way back to eons ago in February and March in the Champions League as well as in the regular season, he looked outstanding, like a true replacement for Ozzy Alonso. Uh, and this is not old Ozzy. This is young Ozzy, 2009 to, say, 2012, mm-hmm. best 11 type player. So, why so they're missing him. Why didn't we see him? Uh, why didn't we see him? Yeah. Uh, cause he was injured. Okay. All right. I mean, hamstring injury is no big deal. You know, no big deal. They are a huge deal and, um, he probably could have played, but, um, but you know, uh, they probably didn't want to risk him and risk the whole regular season. Okay, well, so he got injured. I understand that. Yeah. We did not have him available, but LAFC didn't have Villa available either. So he chose to yeah. sit out for COVID. So, okay, you take away our star player, you take away their star player. We still got to play each other. What happened, man? Sure, sure. There's two other things that happened. Um, uh, Javier Ariaga, oh. also a new son 
from last year was dreadful. Is it time? Absolutely dreadful. Is it time to get rid of him? No, because the guy's like twenty three, and center backs are about four years behind every other position on the field, other than goalkeeper. Uh, center backs and goalkeepers have different development paths than those other players. They just take longer. Think, think quality starting pitchers in Major League Baseball. Sure. But you know what? Matthew, need... pa- Matthew Page peaked at 23. We've been waiting for him to get better. But <laughs> Did you like that, Matt? Just a shot out of nowhere. Yeah. I, I no comment. <laughs> Sorry, continue, um, Rich. So, so Ariaga was horrible. Um, we were missing Andrade, our um, other center back signing. And if you recall, last year we started the season with Chad Marshall, Kim Keehee, and Roman Torres. Uh, yeah, and Joven Jones, right? Well, Joven Jones on the left, but not at center back. But those were the three starters. Sure, sure. Kind of, we had three starters for two positions. And, um, you know, we're basically lost all three of those guys. Um, last year at the beginning of the season we had um, Ariaga. So basically, we're we've lost three and gained one back. And um, O'Neill, who's the third center back, is just not he's just not up to snuff. Um, so basically, the middle did he look slow to you? He looked he looked really yeah, slow. To he me. looks slow. Yeah, he's okay. he's slow. He's also young um, as well. Um, he's probably going to be kind of a journeyman that bounces around the league for a number of years because um, he's kind of good enough to get signed, but maybe not good enough to be good. Um, think worse than Zach Scott, if you will. So, um, the offense did not look good. Um, I will say this one thing that I, that that bugs me about Brian Schmetzer, uh, who I think is an excellent coach. He's done an outstanding job with the Sounders. He is too slow to make changes in games. Um, he's kind of stubborn. He likes to stick with his plan maybe a bit longer than he ought to. Even if it's not working, uh, a key example uh, was that they were trying to play out the back, which uh, for those that are not soccer buffs or snocker nerds like me, means that uh, when the goalkeeper has the ball, he passes it just short to one of the close center backs, and they try to work the way up the field. Think of in a basketball analogy against the full court press, which is what um, LAFC was doing. The problem is LAFC, that is one of their bread and butter things is to full court or full uh, field press you. They do a high press, try to win the ball and run the ball, you know, ram the ball back, basically back down your throat. Um, and they did that really, really successfully. Um, so, you know, the Sounders just, they also just had like kind of a bad night. Like in general, things again, looked a little bit off. With that being said, they still created a bunch of chances. They just didn't finish them. Um, and Will Bruin really had a chance at, uh, at changing the game. He got a goal within a, like a minute of coming on. That was a big a big moment for him. I'm really glad well, he's been out uh, yeah, he almost came, a year. Came back from the injury, and I just question mm-hmm. though that where was the offense? I know there's no Joe Paulo, but I mean you still have Ladero, and you still have mm-hmm. you still have Jordan Morris. Where, where the heck was the offense, man? Well, they, they they generated chances in that first half. They didn't finish any of them, um, and uh, in the meantime. You know, the defense was just leaking opportunities and goals um, basically all all night. Um, Ariaga, he has really great talent. He, he can pass really well. He sees the game well. He can man up. If you recall in the, in the playoffs last year, he basically destroyed Carlos Vela 
one-on-one for an entire game um, and rip the guy's heart out. Um, I mean, he was just a behemoth of a center back, but he also seems to have like one mistake or two mistakes a game. They're just inexplicable that you wouldn't expect a 12 year old soccer player to make. And so um, that's also unfortunately very common with young center backs. It just requires patience. um, I think, and so um, this was not even close. One of your uh, things in the outline, this is not even close to one of the worst sounder performances of all time. Just rewind back to 2016, the game at Kansas City, where we got one shot, not even on target, just one shot off the entire game. And that was from like 40 yards out. So, um, But in 2016, yeah. we also got, uh, what, no shots on goal and still won a championship? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so try try that. doing that in any in any sport, okay, guys? Like, I, I, I want to see you try to win uh, win a win a without s- points. baseball game without yeah. any runs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but and no, yeah, tell me, t- tell me, tell me, tell me more. This this was not the worst effort that you've seen. Oh no, was no. This just it not- wasn't even the worst effort. It was just look. This was uh, a Sounders team that was depleted. Um, if you recall, we also, uh, our left back, Brad Jones from last year, um, we didn't really replace him. We just had moved to kind of knew who uh, he deputized at left back. Um, we have a much younger roster. This is a common, um, Garth Lagerway strategy. Think Billy Bean, um, in the heyday, think Theo Epstein, basically in baseball, you have two months to figure out who you are. You have two months to get what you need and then you have two months to win. Okay, I get that it. has been the sounder strategy. Hang on, for I mean, a long time. Sure, sure, uh, but we don't have we we don't have a full summer to get better. No, we don't. But so, this whole like judging anything on this year, this year of all years, is just foolhardy in any sport. I think that uh, being the serious sports fans that we are, taking anything seriously from the twenty. 20 and maybe even into the 2021 season it's just it's not going to be beneficial for sports fans and while there might be championships to be won or lost to say that your team is great or horrible based off the results of this wackadoodle uh, combination of events is just um, a poor way to analyze sports and a poor way to be a fan who enjoys uh, you know thinking about the game um it, the sample size is just going to be too small. Um, okay. So I mean, in baseball, you're going to have what, like 200 at bats football. I, I think you're going to be lucky to get through 12 games. Okay. So what do the, uh, what, what do the Sounders do? Do they just polish their trophy and hand it off to the next team? Yeah. Or, or no, know? I think, wait, I mean, they, they polish the trophy. No, I mean, they're, I mean, here, here's the thing. Yeah. Anytime you can polish a trophy, that's a good thing. It's because you have one. To be the one, you know, like better, rather than, you know, not having a trophy to polish, right? Right. So, well, what did Rick, uh, what did Rick Flair used to say? You can't, you can't lose the, you know, you can't uh, lose the championship 13 times without winning it 13 times, right? Right. I mean, and that's basically the, the attitude. I mean, this, this Sounders team has a lot of talent and they have, a really good veteran core, but they also have a, a lot of young up and coming players that really could contribute this year. Um, they're really in a great position, 
holistically um, to kind of execute on Garth's vision that he was brought in to do, which was that the young players, the academy were going to provide anywhere from three to five starters um, or um, like maybe as many as seven or eight key contributors, you know, in the bench, right? And then you're going to sign a few uh, stars from Europe or South America. You're going to have a few other uh, like American veterans that you've had for a while. And we're getting really close to that. Um, uh, you know, young guy Handwala Buana had a very good tournament. He's making all the right moves and making all the right runs. It just didn't, they just didn't quite execute on this that, to have a better tournament. Um, and a lot of that, um, you know, a lot of that comes back down to chemistry. Things are a little bit off. You are missing three key players in the center of your defense. Uh, the, the, the central defensive midfielder and the two center backs have not really been ever actually been able to play together. Um, and uh, even in the games where Jao Paulo has played, Ladero was not playing. So Jao Paulo was actually playing in that attacking midfielder, the central attacking midfielder, the 10 position, not in the defensive midfield where he normally would be. So what do you this think, team has never had a chance what do you to, think, to gel on the defensive right. side. What do you think about the Brian Schmetzer's strategy of fives and fives? So basically he's kind of had uh, several units subbing in. Mm-hmm. Rather than playing mm-hmm. your best eleven, um, I mean, part of that probably is fitness. Probably some of that is, um, I mean, honestly, I, I think that the evidence is pretty clear that they were very serious about Champions League. They're much less serious about this um, this tournament because if they were more serious, they wouldn't have played as many of their young players as they did. Sure, um, but so if you, you can look at that a couple of ways. But I mean, well, I want to look at it this way. Hang hang on. I want to look at it this way. If you punt this Mm -hmm. tournament like they did, you are Mm -hmm. behind the eight ball because you only have four points going into the regular season. You've almost given this away. No, they have, they have uh, four points from the first two games and four points from these games. So they've got like two, two and uh, two, one and two. They've only lost one game. Um, the entire season, which was the one to L, uh, or sorry, two games, I guess the, the knockout game, in the tournament, that doesn't count the, the regular season standing. So in the regular season standing, they have one loss, two draws and, uh, two wins, uh, which isn't great, but I mean, it's, it's, it's decent. It's certainly going to get them into the playoffs. Uh, we're going to have a really wacky playoff format, I guess. Um, that, that has yet to be finalized. Um, it's just going to be a weird season all along. Uh, we're too young to really, maybe Brian can remember this. Uh, oh, Solan, Solak. <laughs> the 1981 uh, season. I don't know. I don't know exactly how old Brian is. He's my um, age. Maybe you remember that, Gabe. He's but my they, age. It's a weird 81 CD, uh, season that had like a split baseball season with like a first half and a second half. And then the champions met. Oh. I was too young. I was that's right though you're right i forgot about that so i mean this major league soccer season is that is that kind of a season it's just weird okay so basically my thought is if you get to see more sounder soccer enjoy it jordan morris is a true superstar coming of age um he 
is every bit as good at what he does as, um, you know, young Edgar Martinez or um, maybe that's a poor analogy, but at least in, in an American sports scene, he, he is every bit as good. My expectation is that he will go to Europe in the next 18 months. Right on. Wow. Well, I want to thank you for, for joining us for that. Uh, can you stick around for a little bit longer? Yeah, let's do great, it. Great. I, I got a soccer question. Oh, oh yeah, sure. Follow-up question. My apologies. Um, this is from the Fairweather fan. This is the Fairweather fan. Soul Man, I mean, I know yeah. I stayed pre- I don't know soccer as well as you guys, obviously, but Wait, I you turned went to, it on. And you went to see Pele with the Cosmos I did. at the Kingdom against and then, the Sounders. And, and then I told you a previous story on a previous podcast how I was scarred for life with soccer, and you guys – Give me a bunch of shit about it, but <laughs> that sounds like me and Matt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But no, this is my question. As a fair as a fan, I turned it on the other night. I watched the highlights. Mm-hmm. Brian Schmetzer. I mean, I know he's won two titles as coach, but as his mojo ran out, I mean, he he he. This team looked lost out there, like they're just playing like a, a practice game, in my opinion. I mean, the Schmetzer survives the season. I mean, oh yeah, he he absolutely survives the season because. He will adapt. I mean, as much as I criticized him that he in game is stubborn, he believes in in two things, putting his players in the best position to succeed. And he will figure that out. I mean, all the evidence, what he has done with the Sounders uh, in MLS, but also what he did with the Sounders in the A-League era. Um, he is a very flexible coach, uh, both from like letting his players figure stuff out, but also making adjustments. Um, his teams have almost uh, have always been better in the second half of seasons. His teams are always better in second halves of games. Um, so he will figure it out. He is also intensely competitive. Um, he has got to be the most competitive coach outside of Lou Pinella that, that has ever been in Seattle. You also have to think so, about it from the perspective of four in four seasons, now going into his fifth, you have three MLS Cup appearances, two trophies. I'm sure he earns a little bit of leeway, right? You would, yeah, you would think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, he, he's finished fourth, second, 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 and won two, two MLS Cups in that period of time. He's played young kids. He's really helped develop um, some of their young stars, Christian Roldan, um, has really blossomed under his tutelage. Um, you might not know this, but Brian Schmetzer was a, cent- uh, a central midfielder for a long part of his career. And, um, he, he just loves guys like Roldan who, who have a high level of tenacity and, and will to just run and run and run and keep fighting no matter what. Um, he's got the right coaches to coach Jordan Morris back from, a potentially career ending injury um, and not just coach him back so he can come back and do what he did. Jordan Morris has come back much better. Um, our offensive coach uh, Precky was one of the best scorers ever in MLS history, learning all the dark arts that, that strikers need to learn. Um, well, you mean and, NASL, right? Well, uh, he did play in the NASL, but he, uh, this guy in particular, Precky played in the early days of MLS's oh, okay. uh, era. And then he was the, um, he was the New York Red Bulls head coach, um, and took them to, uh, like a supporter shield when they had, um, 
Thierry, Thierry Henry when he came um, over to MLS. So um, they're they're quite good. Um, Great, uh, Matt. Matt uh, you know, right. Yeah, he, he's just got the right coaching. Like that's the other thing is he knows how to delegate to his coaches the things he needs to do and what to take on for his own responsibility. He will he will get this team uh, through whatever craziness this season has. Um, but more more to the point, he he and Garth Loggerway are on the same page. And Loggerway, after he fired Siggy Schmidt, if you don't recall, he hired uh, Schmetzer as interim. And then before he even qualified for the playoffs, he hired him permanently. Yeah. So this guy is on the same page with his general manager. They're executing on the same vision. I It would take an absolute collapse like i'm talking like a 10 game losing streak or, or worse for him to get fired with what he's done so far Great. okay uh, Matt, you, sold, you sold me sorry one, one last point every yeah. soccer team has a, has a game at least once a year where they get absolutely blasted look listless and like they don't know how to play soccer like they've forgotten it yeah. um i remember one Game where the Sounders just absolutely ripped RSL's heart out in Seattle, four to nothing. It could have been worse; should have been eight to nothing. And that was a season that RSL went to the final in the Champions League uh, and came within one victory of winning a treble. So, well, so, um, well, so hang on, that's a great point because there was one year that the Sounders lost four nil to the Galaxy. Every yeah. fan was given their money back for that game. Yeah, and they went on. Wow. They went on to have like a very successful season. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it kind of happens every once in a while. Uh, I mean, in the case, it's no different. It's no different than baseball. You have a four game losing streak and you get blasted, right? I mean, it's just that baseball has 162 games, so you don't even notice it. Basically, in the history of at least American sports, can you guys think of any coach that has that kind of success in his first four years? Barry Switzer, maybe? But let's be uh, fair. Been... He didn't do anything. <laughs> he just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got a great team. <laughs> hey, Casey Stengel, but he also had a great team. So, I mean, like, it's... Wait, when was Casey Stengel? Uh, 1960? Is that right? Like, 48 to 60. 48 yeah. to 60, yeah. I mean, um, you're talking two eons ago in sports. No, no other sports. You guys can't think of any. There's got to be something that. Oh, that's that's a tough. That's a great question. <laughs> that um, be... well, how about Don? How about Don James uh, with the Huskies? No, that's not true because Don James actually struggled his first couple of years. Did he? Yeah, he did. Oh, I guess he came in '73. Yeah, he didn't go to the Rose Bowl until '77 with Warren Moon. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. Uh, oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. What about uh, Dennis Erickson at University of Miami? Right? Because he, he went in 89. Won one title? No, he, he went title? Well, he, went one, he won one and a half. <laughs> uh, 89 and 91. And then he uh, and then he bolted before the regular, before the uh, <laughs> before the <laughs> NCAA came after came him. Down. Yeah. What about Steve Kerr? Was Steve Kerr successful? I know he got a great team, but... Uh, with the Warriors or with the yeah okay. the Warriors, I, I'll 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 say I'll say Kerr Kerr is probably the closest thing, but Kerr like he took over a playoff team, but he really transformed that team. 
I agree. Yeah. Right. Like, um, I remember reading a Sports Illustrated article we, while we're on a tangent, but he <laughs> he he uh, transformed that team. He while he was an announcer, whenever he'd see like an inbounds play or an other like half court, you know, like a full court play or something like at the end of a half and whatnot, you have to get a shot off. He'd write down plays that he thought were really, really good. And he came up with like a whole binder of them. And so, um, um, yeah, be careful. Like he had those ready. Be careful, Rich. The yeah. last guy that had a binder full of names, he didn't end up being president. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that Kerr's running for president. But, oh, okay. Okay. Well, let's move on I mean, to the next topic here, but I want to thank you. Thank you for answering our Sounders questions. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit of NHL, uh, Hang on a second here. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game. It's the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Second period. Just kidding. We're not going to go with the whole thing and subject you to my singing. Uh, are you guys excited that the NHL is back? And I do say is back here in Seattle. Yes. Yes. Yes, very yep. much so. Okay. Great insight from the three of you. Um, really <laughs> affirmative, 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 and affirmative. Uh, absolutely. Yes. We're very <laughs> excited. We have, we, have a, we, have a, we have a vibrant, you know, I mean, uh, the rest of the nation may not really notice it, but we have the Thunderbirds for a long time. We have these silver tips up here in Everett. There's a there's a very big community uh, that's been waiting for hockey to come back to uh, Seattle, and I'm excited to see it uh, it get some get some notice and get some attention and 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 develop this rivalry that this future rivalry with Vancouver. So I didn't really grow up with hockey, but I became a fan of the Everett silver tips in recent years. And that's been, that's been kind of exciting, but I've always felt that there is because of a close proximity to Canada, uh, a market for this. And that was, that was realized when they sold out first, excuse me, first day, first day they released tickets, they sold out. You guys think it's going to, it's, it's going to boom here. Is this, uh, I mean, when the Sounders came in, uh, a lot of people were concerned, ah, this is just going to be a passing fad. That didn't turn out to be the case. What do you guys think about NHL in Seattle? I think it's going to be great. This this ownership group seems to know what they're doing. Um, they executed just on their branding, like their brand strategy. What's the name of the club? Nobody knew. There was not a leak, not even a a dribble, not even a drizzle, no, not even mist coming out of that, that camp. True. Um, nobody knew what was going to happen until like they did that photo shoot on the boat. And then the family just knew that all of a sudden they're involved with, with the Seattle hockey team, but they didn't even know what it, like the name of the team was going to be or anything. Right. So like they executed on it. The branding looks good. All the imaging looks good. I don't know if they're going to be any good, but I'm excited. I am a super casual hockey fan, but I, I am just jazzed up. Their social media game is good. They've hired good people um, in the front office. This reminds me of the Las Vegas Golden Knights, of LAFC, of Seattle Sounders, as far as rolling out an expansion team 
And maybe you're not going to immediately have on-field success, but you've got all, all the indications that the front office knows what the heck it's doing and is going to get the right people to bring you a winner within a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, and I feel like I'm going to be a recurring theme throughout this entire show as the wet blanket and talk about the GM. But I want to get Solak and Matt Page's uh, ideas and excitement, uh, or if you're even excited about this team coming here, uh, get your opinions on this first. I'm excited. I mean, like you said, with the Sounders, uh, look what happened to them. I mean, the fan base was enormous when they first started up again and whatever it was, 10, 15 years ago. And I, we have enough fan base here in Seattle. I mean, when I was growing up, it was always the Seattle Breakers and then the T-Birds. And when – I don't remember what, why I lost excitement in hockey, but something happened to where I – You went to Wazoo. Did, did they, That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you went to, the, you went to those anyway. frat parties in Wazoo, and you're like, yeah. all of that doesn't matter anymore. The farm boys are over there converted you, and they, they – yeah, I don't know. Anyway, there's a lot, lot of fan base here. And like Rich said, they did a great job of marketing. They have a great front office. And, I mean, I, I'm excited. I mean, hopefully we can bring a sign into the stadium that says, Welcome to the Crack House. I don't know if they'll allow that on TV or not. But, <laughs> Those T-shirts but, are know, being sold now. Are they really? Yep. Nice. Yep. <laughs> Good. Matt, Matt, what do you think? Um, I, I, you know, the, the branding, the, the PR obviously was first class, first rate. The, um, I, I love the logo and the, uh, the anchor with the space needle in it also is a very nice touch. The mock-up of the Jersey uh, that they have on their website. I, I have to have one. I just have yeah. to have one immediately. The color choice is, is, is solid. Um, so from, from, from a PR and, 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 you know, marketing standpoint, they've absolutely nailed it. Um, as Rich was saying, that's top notch. Um, but, um, as far as, as you know, I mean, I, I, I have to admit, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not an expert in hockey, uh, as far as the front office goes. So I can't really judge in terms of their personnel decisions or anything like that, but I am very excited about it. I will absolutely try to go to some games. Uh, the problem I foresee, the only problem I foresee is the fact that the stadium is in a really terrible location and really hard to get to and really impossible to get to. And that will be a serious impediment to a lot of people. Um, but I do like that people have already commonly decided that we're not going to call it that, that Amazon name that was given that I've already forgotten and I'm refusing to say, and we're <laughs> going to call it the crack house. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. <laughs> I think it's yeah, a, that's, that's pretty choice. I think it's the Clorox bleach bowl or something like that i, I forget um something green i don't remember was, yeah it was shine it up green park or something like that uh i don't know I, I i'm super excited guys i don't know about this guy ron francis and before everybody says oh but that ron francis he he's a great player he had the most assistant of us shut up he, take a look he, at he his, was a hell of a player take a look at his gm uh record he didn't get the carolina hurricanes to and by the way, I didn't. I wasn't telling you to shut up. I'm telling. I'm telling <laughs> all of no, no, I'm telling I'm all of you. Shut up. I'm telling care. all of you to shut up. <laughs> this guy, a, great, a great player does not make a great GM necessarily. Yeah. I agree, but he was a hell of a player for Pittsburgh. That's fine. That's fine. And maybe that's why they got him is because he's a name in the hockey community and the cat the 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 hockey fans know who he is. The casual person doesn't know who this guy is, so I'm not certain. He really adds any 
uh, name recognition in the city of Seattle. Yeah, so person who the millennials, you mean the, the, the people that don't know jack shit? What, what do you mean? Uh, that's no way to talk about Matt Page. I, I'm just trying to say. <laughs> for the record, for the record, everyone uses that term to slam a, like a younger age group, but yeah. the average millennial is like in their late thirties now. Okay, yeah. so okay. anyway, so they're older. You, okay, so they're older people that don't know what they're talking about. Got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the point is, I, I I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at this, but you know, I'm going to be that wet blanket that says this guy did not succeed in Carolina. What makes us think this is going to be the Golden Knights situation, especially since the NHL has not, or they closed, they closed loophole and will not allow for the same kind of shenanigans that happened uh, that let the Golden Knights get so many good players off of every team. So I'm just saying, like, don't expect champion, you know, don't expect to be in the NHL championship in your first year. Not with this guy oh. and not with the potential players we're going to get. I don't think anyone is. I, you know, it's, but it, but it's exciting that we have the team now, and you know, we'd like to have that chance down the road. I don't think anyone's anticipating this team to be immediately amazing. Um, I think, yeah, I think what happened with, with Vegas is, is the exception, you not don't, the rule. You, know, you never you never expect your expansion teams to immediately be amazing. Well, so, and I'm glad we got our Sounders expert here. And this is a question for all three of you: Do the Sounders? maintain the same level of popularity that they have if they had not gone to playoffs, the playoffs in the first couple of years? Like, is there a grace period? And no, no, like the, the, I, I will say that uh, the Sounders winning on national television, their first game ever, not just winning, but emphatically winning three to nothing, beating the Red Bulls who were the hot, hot, awesome, everything team other than L.A. at the time, uh, bringing in a star like Freddie Lundberg, having, uh, you know, hometown hero Casey Keller. Yeah, I mean, like, all of that, plus the branding, plus it was the the Sounders name, the big-time coach and Ziggy Schmidt, um, and they they had a great season. I mean, that first season, they at at several points, they were the number one team in the league, you're winning, leading the supporter shield race. Um, it's it's a it's a like you get off to a fast start. You set the bar. You build the culture. I, I think that that first season and then the continuation from there was really key to solidifying the fan base. Because I think a lot of people probably just were like, "Oh, sure, I'll give the Sounders a shot." Right? The Sonics just left. I have this void in my sports life. And now a lot of those people are, are really diehard uh, Sounders fans. And so um, I don't, I have to agree. I don't think that anyone's expecting like overnight success, um, especially with the rules change, but um, they have a, they have a good window of opportunity. They'll get a little more of a, of leeway because it's a, a true major sport. Like MLS is not quite there yet still, even having caught up to hockey, but um yeah, this is going to fill some of the void that the Sonics left. Matt Solak? Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I do think there is there is yeah there's more of a more of a cushion where there, it isn't quite as crucial that they hit as hard, but there, it is important that in the first year or two that they you know at least win some important games, um, well, at least show some signs of life. 
last word on this song, uh, man? I, they both summed it up perfect. I'm, I'm sorry, I do have to I know, change the subject, and I'm reading more about Ron Francis now. I'm kind of against retiring. So. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. I, uh, I changed one person's mind. All right. You did. I, hate to, I, I will admit it. Abraham changed my mind. <laughs> All right. Well, that makes me the Judas of this team because I, I, I made sure to backstab the Kraken while they're still up there. And speaking of Judas. Um, um. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. You are beautiful on the inside. You are innocence personified, and I will drag you down. Yep. So I'm gonna have to be the Judas of this team. Uh, not only taking, not only taking you to the dark side, Soul Man, but also to challenge all three of you and all of our fans out there, listening to us on iTunes and on Podbean. And talk a little bit about a certain incident from a certain little team playing a certain my a certain other petty childish team. Uh, that would be the Astros. That would be the certain other team. And the childish team being the Dodgers. And a major incident happened where a cruel and vile Joe Kelly, former Red Sox, threw at the heads of the august and uh, you know peace-loving Astros guys. This was not necessary, was it? Sure it was. Why not? I mean, he, he didn't hit anybody. He didn't hurt anybody. I mean, I know why he did it, but, I mean, I, it's wrong, and he deserves maybe one or two game dispense, suspension, but eight games is some serious bull. You know what? I mean, that factors out to 22 game over, like, an entire season. I see you remarking online to some of the posts that I shared Mm-hmm. And like blah blah blah, he could have drawn given somebody COVID. Blah blah blah. And... I don't sound like that, but I did say that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a joke. It's a joke. I mean, <laughs> sure, it's wrong to throw at somebody, but he didn't hit anybody. He got two years ago. He or it was it Tyler Austin. He hit the Yankees. He got six games suspended, and this time he gets eight games for not hitting a player. I mean, ridiculous. Rob Manfred's a joke. And and the, the Astros got him by his balls and uh, Abraham, you're wrong with your opinion. Oh, okay. Anybody um, else I want to tell say, me how wrong I am. I want to <laughs> I want to make I want to make two quick points. First of all, um, I did not bring up the Dodgers this time. You did. <laughs> for the record, just for the record, you always claim that I'm bringing them up every time. You brought them up this time, just for the record. Okay, and two. He was not ejected from the game. I want to make that point. He was not ejected from the game. The umpires did not remove him from the game. Okay? And he got suspended. He was not removed from the game by the umpires, and the league later on decided to punish him harsher than they punished any of the players that compromised the integrity of the game at its highest level. These guys cheated and stole a World Series got caught doing it, faced zero punishment, and here's a guy who wasn't even thrown out of the game and is getting way more punishment than they ever got. The commissioner is a joke at this point. Rich, 
the commissioner is a joke. This is all on Ron Manfred's head. He did not bring down the law on the players. He did not bring down the law on the Astros. Somehow, uh, the Astros ownership got to the other owners and said, don't punish us. We were just doing what good businessmen do. Cheating, cheating, cheating. Um, no, I mean, this is, first of all, I don't know that you could even say that he for sure threw at the guy's head. Yeah. This is like, no, just hear me out. This is like spring training baseball. Oh, no one has actually played real games. No one has really done real training. You see this all the time. The first like three weeks of the season, pitchers don't have their control. They're still working through everything. Now, I probably think that he probably was throwing at them. But, you know, I mean, Randy Johnson threw a ball way behind John Crook's head in the All-Star game. Nobody said anything. Um, mm -hmm. And he didn't get suspended. I mean, the, the suspension is a complete joke. It's a travesty. Um, it's way beyond what is warranted. Um, and I mean, as far as controlling, like if you want to suspend people, suspend people that came out of the dugouts. Okay. All right. Let's see where to begin. Um, that's, where to begin here. That's, um, let's start. With, I mean, okay, good. I was just going to say, I mean, yeah, this guy, he got suspended a couple of years ago for fighting, uh, another guy and plunking another guy, right? These things happen. He didn't plunk anyone. He didn't actually hit anyone. He could have. I mean, if you're claiming that he did this intentionally, then you're also claiming he's in control. And if he's actually in control where the ball goes, he could have hit him in the back or in the hip. And did, you, the see the, did you see that catcher? The catcher had no idea where the ball was going either. Back you out. don't know that. So, Hang on. Okay, it's time. No, Hold watch, on. watch the throw. I did the catcher, watch it. I watched that, it many times. That's a whole, a, that's a whole bunch of hooey. Hang on. You're telling me a nine-year veteran, a guy who won 10 games for Solak's beloved Red Sox, can't hit the broadside <laughs> of a barn? Is that what you're telling me? You're telling yeah, me that a nice... Him, have you seen him since he came, became a Dodger? Joe Kelly cannot hit anything. Yeah. He's terrible. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know the Dodger fan would defend him. Uh, but it, <laughs> it went at his head. He had to duck. Yeah. He had to duck. He actually had to hit the ground. Yeah. That yes. Happened. Because it, it went. Does happen. It doesn't just happen. It it happened. No. It was yes, it does. Premeditated. Abe, shame on you. Shame on you, Abe. It was premeditated. Shame on you. You watched Randy Johnson unable to control 100 mile an hour fastball for six years before he finally talked to Nolan Ryan and figured his crap out. It wasn't six Don't years. Tell me about, like, it was just okay. It was the yeah. first two years of marriage. So three years in, this guy has three times that. Three times that uh, that. That amount of time he's been nine, yeah. nine uh -huh. years in the major leagues, and you're yeah. telling me, oh, these things just slip twice, and that's they what do. you guys don't talk about is the two times they that do. it happened. It does, huh? Well, you know what? Nobody believes you guys. You guys are just, you guys are fanboys. Who, first of all, you three are old. Okay, so you guys just, <laughs> oh, you want, you want baseball to be a certain way like it was back in the old day, and then when I say. When I say this happened, this happened, guys, for all you guys out there listening on the Internet, just bear with me for a second. I message these guys and I'm not going to call you jerks because you're my friends. You can be <laughs> jerkish at times, but I messaged you. Why don't they just bunt in extra innings with a man on second base? Nobody messages me back. 
nobody says, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. But when it's it, because it's one in the morning for crying out loud, I'm asleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is true. Yeah. The point is, no, no. Here, here's the here's the side you're not considering, Abe. Mm-hmm. All right, even even if hypothetically, and I do not concede this, but hypothetically, he he was doing it intentionally. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. It's still the commissioner's fault because the commissioner put us in this situation by not punishing the players. So mob justice no. is going to have to happen. Stop getting because on the players. all the players around. No, all the players around the league are sitting there going, "These guys totally screwed over and stole a World Series. Uh-huh. They're not facing any consequences whatsoever, right. and they and, and they need they need we need they need to learn that that is wrong. And so, watch. Mark my words. This is not the only time they're going to get thrown at this year. It okay. will happen well, again. No, they won't get thrown at. And it's because of the commissioner. They won't get thrown and at. And he's way he, overreacted. He didn't react. He, he reacted appropriately to stop this kind of nonsense. No, he's and way you need to get mad. You need to get mad at the players union who stood up for the Astros and got them off scot free. That's not who that that Manfred didn't put on the clip gloves. Decided. He got decided. He went at yeah, Manfred went after the management is what he did. And everybody says this all the time in corporate America is like, you got to go after the management. It's not the, it's not the individual people that, that are to blame. Yeah. You know what? This time it happened. It, it was. This happened it the was way you expected a million dollar fine against a Houston Astros owner. You got people fired from the GM to the coach, even coaches, uh-huh. coaches on the Red Sox who were cheaters, by the way, Dodgers have some cheaters as well. And you look at, you just look at what happened I want you to go blame. You can blame Manfred all you want. I I blame him as well. But you also got to blame the players union. You have no. to blame the players union. It's absolutely a manufactured situation by the by the commissioner. And by doing this, he has taken the side of the cheaters because he is punishing no. the, the the Joe Kelly far harsher than he's ever punished Carlos Carrera. Jose okay. Altuve, let's George talk Springer, about, let's talk about, and Yuli Guerrero. Not, the, crime is not, the crime is not the same, by the way, first of all. And this is what oh, we absolutely. need to talk about. And this is, this is what we really have to talk about, and that's the violation of COVID distance, social distancing. And that oh is why, God. no, not oh my God. That is why he got suspended for eight games, because he led an incident. And that's why the manager got suspended for a game, because they didn't control the team's attitudes and – Keep it such that we can actually watch baseball. If this whole thing goes down and I don't get any baseball, I I already don't like Joe Kelly. I'm going to hate him even more if everybody on that freaking team, those two teams get get COVID. I already hate the Marlins. I think they're a bunch of pricks. I, I don't like these guys, and I don't know. It, it's it, it's just baffling why other sports like like NBA and MLS and you know they they can go into these bubbles and and you got Joe Kelly out there trying to cause trouble. And get people in the fist fights and get them get them infected, and that's that's why he got suspended for eight games. Okay, hold on, hold on. The incident started because the Astros management and their players started yapping at Joe Kelly after the inning was over. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it no. was. No, 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 we we did no. That's, yeah, you're making that up. That did not happen. No. no He's on his happened. way to the dugout. And there's some chirping, and he turns around and he chirps back. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Okay. So you're telling me that the guy that gets 
chirped at, chirps back, and he's at fault for both benches emptying. He's also the guy who threw at the heads of two players, so there's that as well. But he was not he was not judged by the umpire who was there to have been doing that. Otherwise he would have been ejected. Okay, well, yeah. there's, sometimes there's police officers that and, don't catch a person jaywalking and then the camera okay. does, and then they, they get in trouble. So that's fine. Whatever. I mean, the, the, the higher ups decided, you know what? You guys got out of control. Uh, the umpire did not take it, did not take this with the due seriousness that it deserved. And Matt, he should have been thrown out after the second ball that was thrown at the head. So I'd blame the umpire as well. The umpire didn't manage the situation. Yeah, so there. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, here, here's the thing. Abe, you're, yeah. you're the guy that always wants to defer to the umpires, a human element. It is. So yeah. if, if that's the case, then you've got to trust the home plate umpire and the crew chief there yep. to exercise their judgment, yep. their judgment, their experience, which is way greater than yours in judging baseball, was whether or not he was intentionally thrown. Because the, the protocol is if you throw at what someone wants, you get both benches get warned, and the next time you get th- thrown at or someone gets hit, like the pitcher's ejected. And that didn't happen. Yep. Why not? Yeah, I agree. Why not? Why didn't they do their job? Maybe I agree with you guys. I am on your. Ca- it's not unintentional. Stop that. It, the. I'm on no. your guys' side here. They, they didn't do their job. I agree with you three completely. No, they did their job. No. And and the commissioner Cheat. took the side of the cheaters. Well, they're not cheaters That's this simple. year. They're cheaters last year. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. It, they are. They have. They have been proven. Once you're a cheater, you're always a cheater. I'm sorry. It, eh. You've been conclusively proven. To have been cheating okay. right. and compromise the integrity of the game on a systemic level from the institution oh, level. God, the, here we go. With the general manager and the coach and all that. Okay. At that level, that badly, and you didn't punish the players, there's going to be more more balls thrown at their head. And it's going to probably happen guys, for the rest what, of the career. And that's what i got to ask you three. Why do you guys want this to continue? Why do you. Why I'm are not you so, saying. Why are you guys I'm so. Not rooting hang for on, it. hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me finish my question. Why are you guys so darn interested in a fight happening and everybody getting COVID because they're all, you know, within close proximity because that's what's going to happen. And that's what I said like a month and a half ago is this needs to stop. You can't just, you can't just keep throwing at Astros players because something bad's going to happen. Somebody's going to get hurt. Okay. First of all, I'm not rooting for anyone to get hurt or yes, anyone you are. to be you said hit keep with a pitch. You keep, you keep saying throwing. No, I'm saying it will happen. I'm not saying I want it to happen. I'm saying it will, and I'm blaming the commissioner for manufacturing the situation. He didn't manufacture the situation. That's how it is. Every single person has agency in their life, and they need to take control of what they can control. And being no, it, annoyed, and hang on, hang on, you're backing, you're saying, oh, I'm not advocating this, but you're kind of smiling when it happens. You kind of think it's awesome <laughs> when it happens. And as I, a Dodger I got fan, your text. I, Let me find my text message from you. As long as you they're were, not hurt. You were cackling okay. like a crone over a cauldron. You were like, hey, hey, no, that, hey, that's, hey. Me. that's Rich. Oh, that, that was Rich? Okay. Okay. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, no, and, and and by the way, if you're so worried about them, if they're so worried about, you know, fistfights and, 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 and COVID, mm-hmm. how the hell are we going to play football? 
that's a but different I, that's a different subject. that's a whole different can of worm but yeah. anyway i'm just but i mean <laughs> but i mean the nba um, so far has been very successful as not, at not you know not yeah. spreading it um well that is until some of them start sneaking out like the miami marlins players god don't get me started on the marlins um uh, but, yeah they've been out of the town yeah <laughs> Uh, so why why don't they suspend them? And then they Abe, I mean, they infected they, they infected well, a bunch of Phillies and other people. They should shut. They're all essentially suspended anyway because they're all yeah. they're all on you know COVID isolation. No, they yeah, should they shut know. the Marlins down for the entire season. Like for example, uh, Rich, what was it? Was it FC Cincinnati? No, which team could not participate? Nash- Nashville and Dallas. Yeah, both um, like didn't a- get their crap together, yeah. and then. Uh, yeah, they just didn't. They didn't live up to the high standard that MLS had set um, because they were following their local standards. And then a few of their players and staff got uh, got infected. And then they came to the bubble, but then were like not allowed to play because they basically all the other teams um, basically said we don't want them in the tournament because they didn't get their crap together and this is serious. And so. I'd be very happy if that stupid smug Derek Jeter didn't get to play this season with, you know, didn't get his team to play the, uh, I, I'm, I'm very angry at the Marlins. I don't know. I don't know what your guys thoughts are, but I mean, it's, I hate them right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was irresponsible and dumb. Yep. Um, but I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't think you, I mean, you know, Banning the whole team, like you said, for the rest of the season is a little too far. Uh, you know, the 13 guys who didn't get infected on the rest of the roster, well, uh, you know, bring up bring up the minor leaguers. Yeah, you know? and ultimately, and so, yeah. like, so like I kind of mentioned that with you. I was like, you do you do have an entire full squad <laughs> hanging out in the minor <laughs> leagues that you could bring yeah, up. I mean, that's but I, but no, I'm I'm very annoyed at the at the guys that went out on the town. Um, you know, I was going to say this that that if you're going to come down, if Major League Baseball is going to come down on Joe Kelly, eight-game suspension, mm-hmm. it needs to be twice as bad for all these jokers that broke curfew and got infected and put people's lives and livelihoods truly in danger, far more actual danger than being hit by a baseball. That is... I'm, that. Not, against, I'm not against yep. that. I... I, I... I mean, look at what happened to the. It's not like the Orioles are going to win anything this year, but the the Marlins basically <laughs> screwed their season, and the Orioles yep. players didn't do anything. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, ridiculous. All right, Rich. Well, I want to I want to thank you for joining us and being wrong about uh, this particular issue, but giving us all the great insight on the Sounders. And uh, <laughs> we agree with you, Rich. Abe Fuller, you're, you know you're not wrong, Mr. Abraham. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, guys, it was fun. It was, it was great to hang out with you. Um, have a good night. Thanks for uh, for for the good times. We'll we'll do it again. Hopefully, we'll have uh, some more uh, Seattle sports to talk about. Um, I really can't wait till the the Kraken start signing players. And uh, hopefully, this GM is is bad. We fire him soon, <laughs> <laughs> or he gets magically better because he's had some experience under his belt, like Xavier Ariaga, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> that sounded very confident. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, young players take time to develop. And, um, you know, someone who stinks, you know, one year or even, you know, half a season before 
uh, can turn out to be uh, much better later uh, if you're if you've got a good a good coaching staff to develop the talent. Um, and the founders uh, are showing that they can they can develop talent, um, they can develop players and get them uh, you know coach them up as it were and, and help them get better throughout the year. So right uh, and that's a good uh, a good development to to watch. Well, um, yeah. Thank you for your commentary. I'd like to I'd like to sure. have the fans uh, give you a rousing applause on your way out tonight. Nicely done. Great. All right, guys. That was uh, Rich Maxson. He's helping us out with the, the Sounders. He he is a soccer fan through and through and grew up here in Seattle, Washington. Went to Ingram High School and lived next door to me. Um, some of those are achievements and some, like living next door to me, is just cruel and unusual punishment. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, all right. As we've gotten through the, uh, uh, the situation that happened on Monday... Um, I want to talk about a different situation, and that's what happens to us in our daily lives as Mariner fans. Right now, the Mariners, did they win tonight? Um, uh, I stopped paying attention. Okay. Perfectly they, honest. We'll be jumping on the podcast. <laughs> they were one in five. They were winning, so they could be two and five by now. Um, and I just want to ask, are they bad? Yeah, they're up, they're up four to two right now at the top of the ninth. Okay. And they have two wins. They have two wins. Oh, they won last night too. Well, yeah. They so might have three. three in an, yeah, an all right, three and five. All right. <laughs> are they <laughs> are they bad, better, or worse than you expected? What do you guys think? I think they're about what, what I expected. To be honest, they're right, right there. I mean, I'm more. I, I guess I'm pretty impressed with uh, with uh, Mr. Mr. Lewis, but uh, otherwise, the, everyone else is performing pretty much right about where I expected them to. So what? I think they're performing to expectations. They're still a bad team. It's too early to tell if they're a worse team or a better team. I, I, this pitching staff is pathetic. There's two or three kids like we discussed last week. Even though, our, unfortunately, our fans, we do apologize to our fans who weren't able to hear us. But this team's a bad team. And if I had my way, I, I would change nearly every position player on that starting lineup. Yeah, it's a little bit rough. Guys, uh, let's take a look at who isn't rough. First guy would be uh, mm-hmm. Kyle Lewis. We got to see him as an Everett Aquasox. Please tell me, what was the book on him? What were your thoughts when you first saw him down there on the farm at Funko Field? That was the first year you guys covered him. I'd like to hear your opinion first before I go mine. Uh, mine. I, was, I was pretty impressed until I watched his catastrophic injury. That was catastrophic. That's right. That was a day. Game. That was a day game. I remember. That was not a day uh, game. You're at. Sliding into home, and he, yeah, it was not. It was not good. It was, it was pretty bad. And then we, me and um, our uh, our our photographer Kevin, uh, we, we ran into him the next day and we talked to him a little bit outside the clubhouse. And then I think it really, I think it clicked in his head that he wasn't supposed to be talking to the press. <laughs> so he went into the clubhouse. Yeah. By the way, thank you guys for doing that because I was supposed to interview him. And then Jose Moreno, the coach at the time told me I can't interview him. <laughs> yeah. They were, they were, they were shielding him from the press. Uh, I think they were worried that maybe he wasn't ready to talk to press or something. I don't know. It was kind of strange, but, uh, no, I when, when I saw him on the field, um, he, he was very impressive. I, and, uh, he, 
remains impressive. I, I, I like how quickly he bounced back from, from what was catastrophic injury. Um, it looks like it doesn't phase him at all at this point. And so one of the things that I thought was uh, he looked like a baseball player. I mean, sometimes when we sometimes when we uh, watch uh, the Aqua Sox, there are guys that I, I, I see out there and I'm like, ooh, five foot five, uh, <laughs> you know, 150. I, I don't know if this guy's a baseball player. Like, even though you don't have to conform to those kind, I mean, Ichiro is a small guy, but 70th round pick, you know, and you're like, hmm, why did we get that guy? Yeah, but sometimes there's people that just kind of show up and they got, you know, they got muscles, they got height, they got, you know, uh, they, they, they just look like an athlete. And that's what, that's the impression that I got. Absolutely. I agree with that. Uh, he, he was fun to watch as a fan. I, when he came up, I, I came out, uh, in my opinion, I thought he was a five-tool player and he didn't disappoint. He had the speed, the arm, the play defense. He had the power in a short time before he got hurt. And I, I was impressed. You don't see too many coming up in, the, in our system with the Aqua Sox. And I thought we were very blessed. And that sucked when he got hurt. Well, the big knock so on him I, was the big knock on him though was was that he wasn't a um, D one player, or was he D one? He was out of Mercer, and I don't know what Mercer is, but it, it's not a. Because uh, I was talking to you, Matt, actually, when we were there. I'm like, where the heck is Mercer? <laughs> um, isn't that a street in downtown Seattle? Um, but I guess it's a college in, in Georgia. <laughs> but it's not like a highfalutin, you know, uh, uh, baseball factory. Good point. Good point. I don't, I'm happy for the kid, and I'm looking – it's only been, what, seven or eight games, but I think he's – proven himself already to where he's going to be a decent player and he may not be a, you know, a hall of fame player, but I think he's going to do well as long as we can keep him here before we decide to trade him. (laughs) (laughs) Already anticipating us moving in. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. No, I, I think he's, I think he's, yeah, he's, he's showing he can, he can definitely hang. We'll see. We'll see how he does over the course of the season and, and how, you know, pitchers adjust for him. Uh, you know, he had an amazing start last year when he, when he, when he hit the, the dingers pretty quickly. Um, and, uh, and, and he's doing it again this year. Uh, and it's, it's impressive, but you know, there's, you know, there's the impending adjustment by pitchers and then he's going to have to make an adjustment and, you know, that's when we really see what he's made of. So man, he's playing center field right now. Uh, but I, I believe that's only because of the incredible ineptitude of a lot of other players on this team. What's his correct? Like Malik Smith. (laughs) What is this? What is this correct position? I I think he's to be playing left field. And, and I, nobody seems to agree with me, but I think Kalanick should be our center fielder. He played briefly when I saw him at spring training back in, and back in March when we actually had a real spring training and Kyle Lewis, I think, whether they put Kalanick in, in center or not, Lewis should be ending up in left field eventually. Because next year you would have Hanniger in right. Is that correct? That is affirmative. Yes, 100% affirmative. Yep. Well, um, I, I would have to disagree. Uh, what I would do is I would put I – well, I, I would agree with Kyle Lewis. Left field is where he belongs. Um, and uh, center I would hand off to um, uh, Fraley. For the time being, I'm not. I'm not. I'm still not sure why he's not up right now. 
um, at this point. Um, and Malik Smith would would be our fourth outfielder. Hanniger would be a DH, and because we want to protect him, and because he just obviously keeps getting hurt, we we want to protect him a little bit, get some value up for him, and then trade him. And um, uh, yeah, put Kellenic and right. Evan um, Evan White has been looking solid. Uh, my question is, can I put Vogel back on a Greyhound and send him away? Not yet, because <laughs> we need a DH, no. and that's what that's what Vogelbach is doing right now. He's DHing. You will never see you will you will only see Vogelbach at first, maybe you know one game out of every twenty this season, because Evan White is our one hundred percent our firm first baseman can't, going forward. Can't anyone else DH like this Tim Lopes kid? He's a utility guy. He's not supposed yeah. to really be an everyday player. But he's better than Vogelback. Uh, so right now he's he's hitting he's hot. He's having a hit, you know, doing well to start. Yes, but he's not going to continue that. We got a lot of worthless positions on this team. Like I said <laughs> earlier, there's a lot of players I'd be playing over these kids. I mean, uh, we have, we, our, our yeah. catching our catchers are a joke because they're. We have one guy who's hurt, and the rest of them are either minor leaguers or a guy who is a utility player playing backup catcher, and now he's hurt. So he's hurt. Yeah, we have both our catchers are hurt. Yeah, and Vogelbach's a joke, and he doesn't deserve to be playing Major League Baseball. I mean, our second base, uh, the two young kid. I mean, Lopes and Shed Long, but I don't think they're a long-term solution. I mean, shortstop, yes, I love him. You know, I can't think of his name. You know, Crawford, held the game last Crawford, night. Yeah. Crawford, thank you. Uh, Seager overpaid, but he's a decent third baseman for what we got in the system. And then we already talked about our outfielders. So, a singular, FYI, I mean, singular outfielder. FYI, <laughs> FYI, Shed Long just hit a dinger to right field, but okay. Um, oh, I, I, okay, fine. But yeah, yeah, I, I enjoy when he makes error after error. That's fun. Yeah, he's got some he's got some things to improve. That's true. I don't know if he's going to be a long-term solution. I agree right with now, I agree he is, with Solak. He's, he's not a long-term like a solution. He's not a long-term solution. Um, but the, you know, right now, put Marmalade at a, at a DH. That's, 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 that's our nickname for Marmalade. Marmalade <laughs> Marmaleos? Is that his name? Marmaleos? Yeah. Like yep. I call him Marmalade. Uh, put Marmalade at, at DH and, uh, and, and you That'll be fine. Cut Vogel back. I'm 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 done with him. Oh, good. All right. Thank you. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> hey, re- real quick, real quick. I gotta. I forgot to bring this up, but Joe Kelly will be visiting um, T-Mobile in August 19th and 20th. Um, it, should they suspend him when he decides to throw at your mug sitting there in the stands, Abe? When he pulls a nuclear loose or whatever, however nuclear, you say his name, Rouge, Yes. Thank you. Um, I, Are you going to be pissed? If my if my <laughs> face gets hit, I get that ball, so I'm okay. <laughs> but you're going to you want should he be suspended because he's causing problem? I mean, he's depends, not throwing at the batter. Depends on if he signs my ball or not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. I had it's to all ask. predicated okay. on it's all predicated on how I can benefit. <laughs> all right, back to the back to the show. <laughs> Um, no, it's going to be kind of interesting though with the, with all the cardboard cutouts, I think there's 6,000 of them sold. Um, okay. you know, will they, 
you know, will, will they... Actually, let me just get you guys' feedback. Does it, does it affect, impact your enjoyment of the game? Like, does it seem weird like a Dodger stadium where they're all just sitting back there? Because I'm a little creeped out by that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like it when it's kind of more on the side rather than, because this is honestly as bad as that game in Milwaukee where Miami Marlin guy is the, the super fan oh. for the Marlins is sitting back there with a the bright orange shirt. Yeah. And I'm texting you guys like, Hey, it's, it's a Miami Marlin guy. And I'm not actually <laughs> watching the game cause I'm interested in seeing what he's up to, you know? Um, yeah. What do you guys think? What do you guys think of the cardboard cutouts? Great marketing idea. But if I, I don't, we don't need to see your face on TV. You no. every freaking pit. Yikes. <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there, but seriously, it's I I don't I think it is kind of creepy seeing behind home plate. I don't mind you know down the first and third base line and outfield or whatever, but I do agree with you on that point. Um, yeah, no, I I I think it's cool. It's a cool cool idea. It's great for the team in terms of uh, you know you know, getting some money and also trying to include the play, the, uh, the fan base and get them involved. And, and I, I, I respect that. But, uh, as a, as a fan watching on TV, I couldn't care less about these cutouts. I don't want to see them. You don't need to pan over to them. You don't need to show me. The, the other, the other thing is, is that they're doing is they're showing like fans on zoom, like on the big screen or like they cut yeah. to of everyone celebrating after a hit or whatever. I don't care yeah. about those fans. I'm not, I'm, when I'm watching at home on TV, I'm the fans are not important to me at all. Like if I'm there in, in, in person, that's different. I'm involved in part of the crowd, but when I'm at home, I'm watching the game. I really don't care about other people that aren't on the field and aren't involved in the game. I really don't want to see them. I really couldn't care less. Right on. We were talking about it. We were talking about it earlier uh, before the show started with me and Abraham. We're talking about the uh, the MLS is doing the same thing where they put the, D, the the digital scoreboards on the back and and they'll have like weird fans of you know or fan individual fans or whatever up there, you know, cycling through, you know, celebrating oh. their scarves and stuff. And it just it draws your focus away from the game and it looks really weird and it's just not 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 done well and it's I, not it's not cool at all. Understood. I agree with that. <clears throat> Did you guys see the uh, Oakland Athletics had a horse cut out in theirs? No, are you kidding? <laughs> Serious. I mean, what, what the heck? Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, you might as well open up those stands for the Athletics to farm animals at this point. Uh, they and and nobody's going to those games. Too and nobody's going to those games anyway. No, you're right. Oh my god. Just yeah, like you said, blow up dolls, plant a uh, plant an orange grove. An orange grove? Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. The theme song for Orange Cassidy, of course, from AEW. And uh, your check your your checks in the mailbox, man. <laughs> 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 I want to go over to the Seahawks a little bit here. I don't have a really good segue uh, other than uh, I'm super duper excited about Jamal Adams. Uh, how, what are you guys' feelings on this, on him and the trade in general? 
I personally, I thought it was one of their best trades they made in years. The guy is a superstar. He's going to maintain that status by coming over here and I mean, the guy's a future Hall of Famer, in my opinion, and he's, what, 24 only or 25? And we gave up, what, two first-round picks, a third-round pick, Bradley McDougal. Hell, who cares? As long as we're competing, John Schneider trades those high picks away anyways, or he doesn't know how to pick. I mean, this guy improves. We have, is a superstar and, and makes our defense that much better. I know we need our defensive line improved, blah, 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 but – a lot of a lot of players are going to feed off this guy's enthusiasm, make and just going to make them a, a better player than they already are. So I mean, hats off to Schneider on this one. I I, I think we we, we over, overpaid, but it was worth it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we definitely overpaid, but the you know the honest truth is is that Schneider has shown Schneider and Carol have shown that they're incompetent when it comes to picking in the first round. Uh, the last three years. Um, so those first round picks aren't worth as much to us as they normally would be. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, the, the reality with our defense is that you either need to seriously beef up the pass rush and the offense and the defensive line to put pressure on the quarterback, or you need to seriously have a kick-ass secondary. And so we doubled down on the secondary. I like the move. I love the addition. I think it's smart. I think it was a smart addition. Um, I hope we still get Dunbar on top of this, but who knows? Um, but even without Dunbar, it's still an amazing ad- addition. And now Wagner doesn't necessarily have to worry about backing up into coverage. He can he can add, you know, to the to the run defense up front, and and uh, you know that 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 makes our defense a lot better. Any cons- um, any concern, like with Jimmy Graham, that they'll completely fail to use. Uh, Jamal Adams, the way that he was used in New York? No, not at all. Um, Carroll knows how to use the secondary. He absolutely knows how to use the secondary well. The problem with the problem with uh, when we made the trade for Jimmy Graham is that we didn't have a competent uh, offensive coordinator. Um, we had a, a very incompetent uh, named Daryl Bevel, uh, who never once fielded an offense that really did what it should have done. And or achieved what it what it was really capable of, and uh, so he did not know how to use tight ends, and it was wasted. But um, the one thing Carroll knows how to do, the one real thing he's the best at, is identifying and training up and 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 boning up the the, the secondary talent. And uh, you add a guy with this much talent, we're gonna he'll he'll, he'll go places. We'll do well. Soul man. Uh, Totally agree. I mean, I was just, I forgot to say earlier on Twitter today, there's a comment uh, all, all over Twitter saying Jamal Adams says Pete Carroll told him in their first conversation, I'm going to let you be you. I mean, nice. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's exciting enough right there. I mean, uh, I, I, I'm, I'll be, now I wish, I know we talked about it last week and then we heard about it, but now I wish there was a little preseason game. Just, I can't wait to see this guy. I mean, I'm going to be, First in line to buy his jersey. This guy's a real deal. So we now have $13.7 million under the cap. And that's all of a sudden uh, maybe a significant amount of money to get uh, Clowney. What do you guys think? Yes. 
I mean, why why not? It's going to be a effed up season anyways, and Claudio knows we have a chance to win. I think he's willing to settle for thirteen million. I mean, go all at in. This point. At this point, yeah. I mean, as a backup, let's say Everson Griffin, there's he's still out there, but let's push for Clowney. I mean, the guys, make, that's all we need. I mean, I think he's going to make everybody else around him that much better, especially since we got Jamal Adams. Ah, uh, yeah. Clowney's wake the f up right now. You're, you're... <laughs> if if we added Clowney, that would. I, I think that would make us a contender for real. Yeah, um, absolutely. It would. It, you know, he doesn't add the stats. He doesn't have the eye-popping sack numbers, but he is a huge disruptive influence on that on that offensive line on, against the offensive line. Well, Pro Football he, Focus uh, they, had him at number two for getting double teamed last season. Yeah, he had. They have to cover him. They have to focus on him. They have to game plan for him. He adds that threat that we that we're lacking, and you add him, and you and you've added Jamal Adams to the secondary. You know that combined with our offense and 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 adding you know Greg Olson on, as another weapon for for Russell and uh, you know we're, we're looking we're we're sitting pretty as soon as as, as long as we can keep running backs healthy uh, <laughs> that's a big if um, then I think that becomes a contender a real contender right on any uh, shout outs uh, this week so man I uh, just want to say wear masks everybody. I want good advice. Yeah, I want I want to be able to go back. I'm sure everybody wants to go back to in the stadiums and watch sports, but it's not going to happen if you don't wear your damn mask. So wear your mask. Everett Aquasocks are selling some wonderful masks online, by the way. <laughs> EverettAquasocks.com. Right on. Well, thank you again, Brian the Soul Man Solak, Matthew Page, and special guest Rich Michelson for joining us this week. We will see you guys next. Oh, wait a minute, I forgot to put this out there check out our other podcasts here on podbean and on itunes as well check out our great articles at seattlesportsunion.com and check out all those great tweets from brian the soul man Solak at seattle sports you see you guys good night